My name is Brian Kinsey, and I'm the pastor of First Pentecostal Church in Pensacola. I'm delighted that you're listening to this message, and I hope it blesses your life. If you'd like to submit a prayer request, or if you're interested in a personal Bible study, you can call us at 850-477-1100, or send us an email at firstpent at firstpent.org. We hope you enjoy this message. I'd like to turn your attention to John chapter 14 and verse 25. Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he says, These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. And bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Now, verse 27, I am certain, will be very familiar to all of us. We've heard it and read it, prayed it many times over. But Jesus told his disciples, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. He said, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Ye have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. Jesus told those disciples, he said, if you love me, you would rejoice because I said, I go unto the Father, for my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it come to pass, before it happens, Jesus says, I'm telling you beforehand that when it is come to pass, you might believe. For a few moments tonight, I'd like to talk to you about that peace that Jesus declared in John 14. He said, it is my peace. It is the peace that I'm going to give to you His peace in 2020, his peace remains. And I'd like to talk to you about that tonight and reinforce that word, his peace remains. Jesus promised his disciples peace. Jesus did not leave them anything else, if you look at it materialistically, There was nothing that Jesus could leave to his disciples other than what he had taught them and what he had presented to them, basically his word. He left them, though, something important. He said, I am going to leave something with you. I'm going to leave not just anything, but it's going to be my peace. Jesus said that he would leave his peace with them. If you were to rate your level of peace over the last few days, perhaps even over the last several weeks, if I were to ask you to take an inventory of your own life and honestly look at your level of peace, how would you rate yourself? How would you rate your life? How would you... How would you rate yourself concerning the peace? And maybe this is a a, a silly question to ask, but if Jesus looked at your life, would he recognize his peace? 
a troubled world, a troubled society. Trouble can be found everywhere. You don't have to look for it. It's all around. But the people of God, are you walking in the peace that Jesus promised you? Are you possessing that peace that he said, it's yours, I'm, I'm leaving it for you. It's not for anyone else, but I'm leaving this peace for you. If you, you and I take an honest look and, 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 and inventory our lives, we would probably say tonight that we could use some growth in that area of our Christian walk. Of how can we walk in that peace? Jesus says it's ours. It's it's for you. It's for you in this hour. Listen, I know we don't we don't like this season that we are in. I'll be the first to tell you I I'm not enjoying this season that I am in. And and many people could say that as well. But it's not about enjoying it or not enjoying it. But these seasons come. But with every season, I believe there is a purpose and there is something that we need to learn from this season in which we are in now. Ecclesiastes 3 and 1, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. I believe that one of those lessons that that we need to learn. I believe there are many in this season, but one of those things I believe primarily of this season, it was to stir the church. You might say, well, are you sure? I believe that God is trying to awaken every believer, awaken every child of God to the hour in which we're living in. If we truly believe what we say we believe in this season, we would walk in what we believe. In this season, we would be faithful in the things we know to be faithful in. You can no longer hide among the crowd of the church. You can't hide amongst those around you that are, that are truly praying and seeking God and being faithful. You can't just hide amongst the crowd and just play the part of a committed Christian. But now without the assembling of the assembly, if you will, of the church body, you've got to live out what you truly believe. Without that normal interaction of the body perhaps lifting you up, more so and, and encouraging you along. And I'm thankful for the body of Christ and for you that, that helped me and encouraged me and, 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 and helped me along this journey. But you know what? In this season, you had to get up on your own a lot of times. You've got you've to encourage yourself in the Lord. You've got to find your peace in God on your own. You may not have the brother or sister to your left or right that perhaps you depended upon. It's your walk with God. It's your relationship with the Lord that makes the difference. I believe this season was to stir us, to get us out of that comfort zone and, and make sure that we are living what we truly believe. Even though this pandemic has impacted the world, many people who don't believe are being shaken and they are seeking out for God and they are seeking for answers. And I believe that's part of this season that hungry hearts are being stirred and they are coming to God. But for the church, what has this season taught us? 
What will you gain when this season turns? What will you gain from this season? What, how will you grow? And, and there are three things I think primarily we need to look at tonight. And throughout this season, let me just ask you this question. Were you too consumed with other things? Jesus said the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the lust of other things entering in, it chokes the word and it becomes unfruitful. Well, in this season, all those other things, a lot of the other things have been put on hold. They've been canceled. They've been closed down. They've been postponed. And perhaps the things that we got wrapped into a lot of times before, they've been erased off our schedule and deleted off our schedule. And now we had more time to seek out after the Lord and to do the right things. And, and, and I wonder, how has your devotion been? I'm just asking some questions tonight. Uh, how is your prayer time? How, how is your faithfulness in prayer and praise and worship? How is your faithfulness in giving been? Have you grown deeper or have you noticed areas of your lives that are your life that you have added some other things in to kind of fill the time? What am I going to do with all this time? Have you been trying to grow deeper? Have you been trying to get those roots further down? Have you been trying to seek God like never before? This season has a purpose, church. This season has a purpose, and I believe that God is trying to stir his people and say, you know what, you can't have it like you've always had it and been used to it. I'm trying to get you to awaken to the hour in which you are living. In fact, that's my next point that Paul told the church. He said, listen, Romans 13, 11, knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. Why? Because our salvation is nearer than when we believed. The Apostle Paul said, The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and, and put on the armor of light. Many within the church have fallen asleep, believing that they have plenty of time to get ready. Let me sound the alarm tonight. Let me sound that warning call once again to the body of Christ. Do not wait. Do not postpone. Do not put off. Do not say that there's going to be a lot more time. Let me warn you tonight and say that you've got to know the time in which you are living. And it is high time right now to awake out of sleep. Our salvation is near. Jesus is coming soon. Don't put off for tomorrow to some distant point in time. But say today is the day that I'm going to get myself right with God. Don't put it off, but it's closer than you think. Paul would say in 1 Thessalonians 5, he said, You yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then, he said, sudden destruction comes upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But that he's not talking about the church there. He's not talking about the people right there. It's not going to catch the church unaware. It's not going to 
catch the church unaware or off guard, if you will. But he said, you are the children of the light. You, brethren, you're not in darkness. That that day should overtake you as a thief. He said, but no, we're not of the night nor of darkness. In other words, we're going to be aware. We're going to be awake. We're going to know that he's coming soon. And it won't overtake us, but we'll be ready to go and to meet him. What a day that's going to be. I don't want to be caught up in other things. I don't want to be caught up with everything else in this life. I don't want to be caught up with all these other cares and, and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust, as Jesus said, of all these other things. I, I want to be awake to the hour, church, and, and that should be our prayer. Lord, awaken us in this season to where we are on that timeline of when you return. We need to get back to that idea, as Brother Stone King said the other night, of believing that Jesus can come back at any moment. He said there's not one prophecy that's holding Jesus from coming back. And I say it tonight. Don't say that he's going to hold off his coming, but say, Lord, let me be ready. Let me be ready and do all I can do to prepare myself to meet you. Awaken, church. Also take note of lessons learned. In a season in which we have gone through and are in right now, we must take some lessons from that season because understand the enemy's taken note. The enemy has tried everything that it can do to harm the church. Many people who fight against the church are being used to fight against our even our ability to assemble together. If you think what we have gone through right now will never happen again, I hope I'm wrong with my next statement, but let me just make this statement and hope that it's wrong. But I just feel this way, that what we have just seen is not anything of what's yet to come. Unfortunately, if you think you could use these media platforms to continue your online services in the future, I would have to say you're terribly mistaken. Because the enemy's going to make sure that they'll shut it down. They'll try to put it out. They'll try to stamp it out. But no matter what the enemy does, church, listen, God will always have a church. And he will always have a people. And we will be victorious. It doesn't matter the mode, the means, or the method. The church will always be victorious. If you think this is all there is, listen, we may have more seasons to go through and more seasons to fight. But I'm going to learn what I can learn in this season to prepare me for the next. I'm afraid that many have found out in this season that, that perhaps where they thought they were on fire for God, that really they were lukewarm. The angel of the Laodiceans did right in Revelations 3 and 15. He said, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I work that you were cold or hot, but because you are lukewarm, he neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Why? Because you say I'm rich. I'm increased with goods, and I have need of nothing. But listen, God is trying to tell them, the church, Laodicea in the church in this hour, even though you feel like you have no need, even though you feel like you're in good health, even though you feel like you have everything you need, listen, you don't understand. You don't see what God sees. He says you don't see yourself wretched. You don't see yourself miserable, poor, and blind, and naked. In other words, you think you don't need 
me. But church, we need Jesus now more than ever before. We need God more now in this hour than we've ever needed him at any other point in time. I would say we've always needed God, but now in this hour, don't depend upon your material possessions, your goods. The Laodicean church were, were so increased with blessings and goods, and they didn't have any need of anything. But many, listen, who are lukewarm are so caught up in their lack of need. In other words, they don't, they don't have to cry out to God because they've got a bank account that looks good and their health is fine. But what this pandemic has shown us, it is. It doesn't matter how you f- healthy you feel. It doesn't matter how much money you've got in the bank. It doesn't matter what your education level is. But when that virus comes upon you it doesn't look to see what your background is what your bank account looks like what you're dealing with Uh, it attacks you because you are who you are it's going to attack you because uh, that you are a vessel it can attack Uh, and if you're trusting in other things uh, if you place your faith and hope in anything other than Jesus Christ uh, you place your hope in the wrong thing church place your hope in God place your trust in the Lord Uh, if you've been lukewarm now is the hour to awake now is the time to awaken you don't know what the future will bring no one knows we don't know what the economic impact of this thing will have upon us and how long it will impact our world but one thing's certain the church will always say we need the Lord we need him every day I want to learn the lessons of this season. I want to ask you again, what is God showing you when this season changes and it will? How will you handle the next season? You may have a desire, and, and, and I've, I've made this confession. I, I just want things to go back to where they were. I want it to go back to normal, and I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to go back to that, but, but be careful about going back to normal because uh, if God has taken some things out of your life, in this season why don't you let them remain back in that season if he's helped you to grow deeper in him if you've been able to commit more time to the Lord if you've been able to study more than you've ever studied before don't leave that behind in this season but take it along with you into the next season take that blessing along with you into that next season don't leave it behind but learn what the Lord wants you to learn I know it's normal to desire to go back and go back to that normalcy, and I, and I think that's all right, but take the lessons that God has taught you. Jesus said, his peace, I leave it, he told his disciples. I give it, it's yours to have in this hour. It disturbs me that too many feel with the Holy Ghost are troubled. Too many people who are called by his name are troubled by what they are experiencing right now. Don't let this current trouble rob you of the peace that Jesus promised you. Listen, remember that old hymn, this world is not my home. As Christians, listen, we have something the world doesn't have. We have the prince of peace. Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. He said it again. Don't let your heart be troubled and neither let it be afraid. You look at John 14, Jesus is explaining to his disciples, I've got to leave, but, but he's telling them what to expect. 
And it's three ways to find the peace that Jesus has left for you. Very quickly, Jesus plainly spoke to them. He gave them clear direction as to what to expect. He says, I've got to go. And so in other words, just as he did for them, he's given us this word that we may know what to expect, that we may know how to order our lives, that we may know how to live for him. If you want to have the peace of God, find out what he is saying because it will always bring peace. He told those disciples another thing. He said he promised to return. And you know what? He's promised us he's going to return. And if we have that promise that he is going to return, I need to live my life with the expectancy that he is going to return each and every day. Another thing Jesus said was that he was going to send the Holy Ghost. In other words, be filled with the Holy Ghost. If you want the peace that passes all understanding, be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. There's nothing like it. Don't let anything rob you of his peace in your life. Don't do like Israel did. They made a major mistake, one of many that we could see in the Old Testament. And we give them a hard time, but we make a lot of the same mistakes as well. In Judges chapter 6, Israel allowed idol worship. Knowingly, they disobeyed God. It was, it was what they allowed into their lives that took their peace. The Midianites came. The Lord allowed them to oppress the Israelites. They were the oppressors. The Bible describes them as eating up the land. The, the very thing God gave to his people, the blessings of God, the, the oppressors were eating them. The Bible describes them like locusts. Anything the people of God would sow, they couldn't reap because the oppressors would come and devour it. It, it did not have to be that way. It didn't have to be that way. If they would have obeyed God, they could have lived in peace. They could have lived with the blessings that God said were theirs. They didn't have to be robbed and oppressed by the Midianites. And too many people of God are living robbed of their blessings and their peace that God has promised them. But let me sound that wake-up that wake call again tonight and say don't live without the peace that Jesus said is yours. Don't live without the blessings that he said were yours. Israel chose, according to Judges 6 and 1, they did evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years, seven years suffering under oppression. Seven years suffering when they need, did not have to go down that road. They chose to disobey. They chose to give up what God had promised them. And too many today are allowing things into their lives that take their peace. Gideon's hiding from the oppressors. And the Bible says, Judges 6 and 11, that one day the angel of God came and sat down under the oak in Oprah that belonged to Joash, whose son Gideon was threshing wheat in the wine press out of the sight of the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. In the midst of the oppression, in the midst of what he was dealing with, in the midst of all of it, the Lord looked upon Gideon. In Judges 6 and 14, the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? Don't miss this point. 
But here is Gideon suffering under the oppression of the Midianites. Here he is under that, without peace and without joy and without the blessings of God. And it did not seem like any, it certainly didn't seem like anything was going to change. But the angel of the Lord shows up in the midst of it all and says, I see you. You are a mighty man of valor. Gideon, you may not feel like much of anything, but God said, I see you, and I don't see you like you see yourself, but I see you as a mighty man of valor. Church, in the midst of this oppression, in the midst of this turmoil, in the midst of this trouble. I believe that God doesn't see a weak church. I believe that God doesn't see a hopeless people. I believe that God sees us victorious. I believe that God sees great revival. I believe that God sees many mighty men and women of God who are going to do mighty things for him. If God saw Gideon, Certainly, he sees you and I today in this hour. Gideon has this encounter, and at the end of the encounter, Gideon perceived that it was the angel of the Lord, and Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for because I have seen an angel of the Lord face to face, the Lord said unto him, he said, Peace be unto thee. Fear not, thou shalt not die. Let me say that one more time. The Lord said unto him, Peace be unto thee. Fear not, for thou shalt not die. And somebody who's listening to this message tonight needs to hear those words. Peace be unto thee. Fear not, thou shalt not die die. Gideon built an altar unto the Lord, and he called it Jehovah Shalom. He, in other words, he said, I am going to start right here, right now. He gives that altar, or gives that place a name, and he says, the Lord is peace. Why did he name it something else, like the Lord is great, or the Lord is powerful, or the Lord is mighty, or the Lord is this, or some other title he could have given it. He said, this altar right here is going to be a place that I declare the Lord is peace. Even before his victory, even before his deliverance, even before God came through, Gideon said, this is going to be a change. This is going to be an altar that sets the pace for my next season. And here we are at the end, I believe, of this particular season. And you've got to have an altar that says, I am going to focus upon what God has said and what God has given and what God has shown me. And I'm going to take it into my victory. We've got a great victory church laying ahead for us. We're going to see a great harvest of souls like we have never seen before. We're going to see great things in this place. I'm excited about what the Lord's going to do. I have no doubt that there'll be some who are filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name. When you come to the house of the Lord on Sunday, I would come expecting that there's going to be victory, that there's going to be deliverance, that there's going to be wonderful things of God that happen. You'll be surprised who shows up and who says, I've had enough of being away from the house of the Lord. I've got to get into his presence. You'll be amazed at what God does. 
be amazed at what happens. I believe there is a victory. Gideon, in the midst of your oppression, God says, I see you, but I see you as a mighty man. Gideon, you can imagine, had no reason to believe that he could do anything for God. Certainly he wasn't mighty. Certainly he couldn't do anything, but God said, I see something you don't see. Church, in this season, God sees something in you that perhaps you don't see yet, and I pray that God helps you to see it. If there's a promise of peace, if there's a promise of peace, I want to possess that peace. Do you realize that sometimes you need to rebuke yourself? (laughs) Stop rebuking everybody else. And sometimes we need to rebuke ourselves. David did it in Psalm 42. He said, why are you cast down? Why are you disquieted in me? Hope thou in God. When you're oppressed, you need to begin to ask yourself why. There's this thing called the root cause analysis. It it basically was developed to give organizations an understanding of why something happens, if an accident happens, or something breaks on the assembly line, or, or something in production doesn't go right, they begin to ask the question, why, until they get to the root cause. Why are you cast down, my soul? Why are you depressed today? Why, are you feel, why do you feel like that you're worthless and no good and can't do anything? Why, why do you feel all of these things? Begin to ask yourself why. Was it something that I allowed in? Was it something that I did? Was it something of my own decision? And if you can't find it or if God shows you, repent and get it right and let the peace of God flood your life again. But just continue to ask why, as I believe David did, because he said, look, you've got a hope in God. Don't be depressed. Don't be oppressed. Hope thou in God. And here's the key, and I'm closing here in just a moment. Here is the key. Every time he asks himself, why are you cast down? Why do you feel this way? Why do you feel like this He always came back with the answer. Because already in his heart, it was already there. The answer to that oppression. And he said, for I shall yet praise him. (laughs) And the last thing the enemy wants you to do when you're cast down, when you feel like you're worthless, you're oppressed. The last thing the enemy wants you to do is begin to praise the Lord. (laughs) But if you'll just begin to rebuke your own self and say, why are you cast down? You've got no reason to be thinking those thoughts that you're thinking. You've got no reason to feel like that you're all alone and God doesn't love you and and God loves somebody else more than you or God blesses other people. He doesn't bless you. If you'll just begin to say, you know what? I'm going to put my hope in God and I'm going to lift my praises unto him. I'm going to give him all my praise. And when you begin to praise the Lord, when you begin to worship him, listen, you'll lift yourself out of that place in in which you find yourself in. My hope is tied to the Lord. 
Lord. My hope is tied to his word. He has promised us peace. He has promised the church peace. And I believe it is ours for this time that we are in. It's for the church. Paul said it's the peace which passeth all understanding. It'll keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It's not just peace that goes beyond understanding. He said, the psalmist said, it's great peace. I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great spoil. He said, I abhor hate and abhor lying, but, I love, but thy law do I love. Seven times a day do I praise thee because of thy righteous judgments. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. It's great peace, but it's also perfect peace. Isaiah said in 26 and 3, thou wilt keep him in perfect peace. Who's going to keep you? God's going to keep you. Whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. And I know right now our thinking is so fragmented with all the other stuff that we've got going on right now. But if you can just retune your mind and your heart to the Lord and to his word, if you put your trust in him, you will find that perfect peace. And what a testimony to a troubled world when you and I walk in perfect peace in the midst of it all. Compare that promise to the wicked. Isaiah 57 and 20. But the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. But if you love his word, if you walk according to that word, if you seek peace, there's nothing like the peace that Jesus has left for the church. <laughs> Have you heard the story of the old woman whose life had been a constant struggle against poverty, who had never seen the sea and on being taken to the seaside for the first time, she was so excited. She proudly declared, thank God there's something there's enough of. Struggling all her life, but finally if somebody takes her to the sea. Finally, I can see there's more than I could ever use. And I believe that when we look at the peace of God, it's just as that woman looking at the vast, the ocean, there's so much that you and I can have. Jesus said, it's my peace. I'm leaving it for you. It is for you in this hour. Would you take a moment right now and just close your eyes where you are and and let me just pray that the Lord will use this word. I, I, there's nothing that I can say, but perhaps there is something within this message, scripture that you have written down, that you've highlighted, that you've put perhaps 
a note next to, really it has struck a chord in your heart. And I pray that you would take that word that God has given you, his word, take his word. Say, Jesus, my life is in turmoil. Everywhere I look, there's trouble, there's strife and difficulty. It seems like I'm oppressed at every turn. But Lord, I heard tonight your promise of peace. I heard tonight, Lord, there's perfect peace. I heard tonight that there's peace that passes all understanding. I was reminded once again, Lord, of your word that speaks of that great peace of how we can hope in you and trust in your word. Perhaps, Lord, like Gideon, you could speak that word to me in the midst of my oppression and give me that peace that I need. When this season changes, I pray, Lord, let every one of us take these lessons that we have learned into that next season. I pray peace upon your people. We're on the verge of great victory, on the verge of great revival. Many great things are about to happen, not only local, but I believe globally. And Jesus, I pray, may we walk in that peace. May we walk in the peace that you have provided. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in to our online revival. Tomorrow night at 7 p.m., Brother Josh Herring, we're looking forward to the word of the Lord. God bless you. We hope you enjoyed this message. Please reach out to us if you have any questions. We can be found at firstpent.org. That's F-I-R-S-T-P-E-N-T dot org. If you're ever in Pensacola, Florida, we hope you visit us. Be blessed in Jesus' name.